Okay, part two. First part was a bit of a bitch slap. Was was it Sandra Bullock or was it Gordon Ramsay that, you know, really dug dug in deep and said, Keith, you got shiny penny again. Where are you going with this? I actually thought I was on the money. 25 minutes on, five minutes off, 25 minutes on, five minutes off, 1,558 uh, connections on LinkedIn and rocking and actually having a chat to every one of them. That's my style. But Laura's talking about forums and groups and polls and things that are not very uh, comfortable for me but useful. So let's start again or pull apart, go a bit deeper into the idea of time versus you know effort versus ROI. But also you mentioned something very interesting and we, we need to pull this apart. You can do your creative projects just because they're creative, but you've got to have some sort of strategy around turning that into income. Let's pull that apart again as it relates to, say, the authors or the songwriters or possibly even the TV and radio people because that's where we decide. Yeah, let, let's, let's talk about specifically because this is about you, right? So you've identified, you did all the research, and you're saying that you think the, the perfect niche for you is Twitter for actors, Twitter for TV, Twitter for radio. Now, if Twitter for those types of people is what you think you should be focusing on, those, you know, those are your niches, then you've got to think about who those people are and what they need. Do they actually have the time to learn Twitter and do it themselves? Is that what they want? Is that what they are after? There could be some that are newer in their, um, in their careers that are bootstrapping it that maybe they do. And maybe you can create a product that allows them to have access to that information. But if you want to work with people that have the money to pay you, then that is going to be people that are more established in their acting and TV and radio careers. And they're not going to have the time to do it for themselves. So if that is the niche that you have decided is best for you to focus on, then you need to think about the ways that you can monetize that before you can ever, you know, we started off this conversation and already you're talking um, products again. And, and we had the conversation during our, you know, two weeks ago that, that you're way, you've got the, the horse ahead of the cart there because you're not even at the point of products yet. So now that you've identified your niche, what does that niche need? Yeah, what's the pain point? Look, that, that is so sharp, and it's really interesting because what happens – this is a really interesting question. What happens if the thing that's needed you don't want to do? Well, then you need to decide if you either, A, want to build a business around doing it, B, you want to build a team that executes for you because you like the creative side but you don't like the execution. It's just like we talked about with singers. So, Keith, if you're going to be the creative person that puts together the education material, then maybe that education material not only is available for free for people that want to teach themselves, they opt into your list, they go into your list, and then you're able to retarget them with Facebook ads and other things. Um, and then they're also on your email list. So when they are generating more revenue and they're realizing how hard it is to do all this for themselves, then they can make the decision to hire you. So as an example, um, you can put out a training video, right? Um, put out a training video and then in the email that you send out to your list, you say, 
I've, you know, got a great treat for you this week. I just got done shooting a new training video. In this video, you're going to learn and you list three things. And then you say, you know, after that, you give the link and you say something like, um, you know, in this video, I'm going to show you how you can do it yourself. And if you don't want to do it yourself, then you'll have an opportunity for us to do it for you. Yeah. Look, I think you're right because what I've been doing lately um, is I've been tag teaming with a lot of people. I've got a friend in Melbourne, Sydney, Trinidad, LA, San Francisco, Toronto, New York, all these different people who are saying, Keith, you know, don't worry, I'll do it. This is what I do. This is what I do. You just send people to me and I'll give you a cut, an affiliate link is what we call it in this sort of this sort of jargony speak. But you're, you're probably suggesting going a bit deeper and running it, like being the keithkeller.com and running the, the show and then paying others to do the work behind the scenes rather than sending people to someone else and them giving me 20% of what they earn. Yeah, so taking a little bit more control. And it has occurred to me, and the thing is that people have said it to me many times, and it's, a get, it's exactly this idea. It's exactly this idea of the author. The author says, I've got a book in me and this is what I do. Well, great. You've got this book and you've got a hundred of them sitting in a box in the shed. I wrote a song in 1993, 70 of the 100 that I bought, because you have to buy them in boxes of 100, are still sitting in the shed. I, I did send out 30 and got some really lovely responses and some very, very polite letters from, yes, thank you, Keith. What a lovely song and good on you. You're so creative. Thanks, but no thanks. Nothing happened, 1993. Long hair, leather pants, you know, Bon Jovi meets the Dalai Lama. Um, you know, it was this sort of really feel-good song with a really power chorus and a kick-ass guitar break. But um, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I wrote this song. I was so proud. I spent hundreds of dollars on it, and it's sitting in the shed. So you've you've got to decide. You're, I mean, you're you're at a crossroads right now, Keith, and you've got to decide is where you are at right now going to be the next box that you put in the shed or are you going to turn the corner at this point and start doing things that make you uncomfortable so that you grow so that you can truly deserve or truly deliver a service that deserves the income that you're worth and whether that's a service a product a mix of things you know i'm not saying it has to be any one thing you need to identify that maybe you know, maybe it's a bunch of different things. Maybe it's a layered approach. Maybe you wind up having a great website that you have somebody else put the content on that is just free trainings where you commit to doing a video a week. And then, you know, I used to do, I don't know if you know this, for one of my, my previous products years ago, I used to do a weekly web TV show where it had the same format every week. And I would go through one brand and how they were doing it right with that particular platform. I would go through one tip on something that you could do to better use the platform, and then one marketing tip. And then that was it. And then at the end, I would say, you know, to get more information and to get your free downloadable guide that'll give you a, I think it was a 35-point list on all the things that you can do to build your presence, go here. People would opt in for that, and then I had a follow-up series, and then a the conversion rate on that was really pretty high. Um, and then from there, it was layered. I had masterminds that I did. 
I had coaching that I did, and then I had some done-for-you services. Now, do you really think I did that shit for people? Hell no. Hell no. I had it. I had a team of overseas people that did it for like five bucks an hour. Let's play this out. I, I really want to put. I've been thinking about this in the last two weeks, and you said it, you've said a couple of things as you're digging the knife in, Gordon. You know, you've said a couple of things. You've said, look, okay, you've already, you've always had products with JVs. You've always relied on JVs. And my model of the world, and I'm very transparent on this idea. My model of the world is that I don't like to create things on my own. I'm not a solo dude. I'm not a solopreneur in a stricter sense. I love JVs. I love the idea that I'm creating something in tandem with someone else. Now, that's a weakness in my strategy in some ways because I'm reliant on someone else. But it's I, it's just the way I like to work. Is it is it a weakness or is it a cop-out? Because if you go the other way, you've got to take full responsibility for success and failure. Well, okay. Let's, let's play that game, Gordon. <laughs> no, it's it's true. I don't want to. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where you've got to you've got to decide. You're at that crossroads. You've got to decide. Do you, do you want to put another box in the storage unit in the shed, or do you want to really get down to grassroots and just do do what works? You know, do what everybody before you that's been successful does. They identify the niche, they identify the needs of the niche, they identify how they can serve those needs, they lay a foundation that's going to be able to build the house that will eventually serve those needs, they spend, you know, three months, six months, whatever it takes to build that foundation and to build that list and to start to gain a lot of trust and traction, and then they start releasing opportunities for people to either be in their coaching group, for people to be in their mastermind, for people to, uh, I know of one, um, one gal that is just kicking ass with Kindle books and for $97, a one-time fee and she leaves it open, $97, you can join her private Facebook group which has, you know, a thousand other Kindle authors that are all exchanging ideas. She didn't even have to invest in any technology. She's using Facebook and charging people via PayPal. There's so many to join. There's so many different things that you can do, but you have to identify. It's not about you entirely. You have to identify what does your niche audience need, how can you serve them best, and what level. And I haven't gone deep enough. I haven't gone deep enough, have I? Yeah. Well, look, I, I want to ask a, a very, 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 very relevant question. You, you've, you've actually suggested to me a path that I, I probably don't want to do. I, I mean, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't really want to be at the head of an empire and say, okay, KeithKeller.com, we do everything, but I do, don't do it. I've got a team in the – I've got Flippinos and I've got Indians and I've got some friends of mine around the world and we just do it for you I mean, you just pay me and this big banner, KeithKeller.com which I can't get yet. Someone else has it, but I'm chasing it. So at the moment, it's keithkeller.com.au. But is there, a po- is there a way, and this comes back again to the author and the creative people, what I do, what I love doing is I'm a coach. I love one-on-ones, I love people, and I love creating products. Is there a way that I can be myself and make money? 
Well, absolutely there is. But but you are leaving out one factor. You're leaving out the niche. If you've identified that your niche is Twitter for actors, Twitter for TV, and Twitter for radio, then then you're going down a little bit of a wrong path. I mean, I, I, I'm... I'm basing that on my experience. You would have to pull these people to find out whether they would want it done for them or whether they would have the time to learn how to do it. And we're not talking about, you know, somebody like Kim Kardashian who is really good at posting pictures on a regular basis and interacting with her fan base because that's the easy part of it. But when you're not yet a Kim Kardashian – and, and you're trying to get to your first 100,000 fans and then 250,000 fans. And there's a lot more marketing and, and a lot more, um, really, a, a much more strategic nature that gets applied than how is it that you can teach that to those people? And, and is it even about teaching them or do they just want it done for them? You might not have the right, the right niche if you're not willing to do it for them. That's right. And that's, that's again, uh, so... I need to do further research in the two or three weeks while you're having a cruise around the, you know, in rivers of uh, the Danube and you know, sipping cocktails in Paris and um, all sorts of really lovely things. And while I'm hanging out in a camel in Broome, which is just as funky, just a different sort of slant. But um, what about then the idea that, okay, I've identified a niche, radio, TV uh, and actors, because that interests me. I, I think I could do a good job for them. But you've, you've gone deeper and said, look, my gut feeling is they don't want you to teach them. They want someone to do it. And if you don't want to do it, you really shouldn't be playing that game. Well, you, you yourself said, though, you don't want to do Twitter for performers because they don't have the money to pay you. So if you're talking about teaching actors, then the actors that you would be teaching are actors that have a lot of downtime and are available to learn. And if they have a lot of downtime, they're not doing a lot of acting, which means they don't have a lot of money, which means they're not going to pay you, which means you're right back where you started. Go put it in the shed. Yeah. And I'll give you another example. Hugh Jackman, who does have a house in Melbourne, you know, I'm sure if Hugh Jackman comes to Melbourne, he's not going to hang out with me for one hour to learn Twitter. He's got other things to do, right? Now, he's pretty good at Twitter, but and he's probably got someone doing that. He may not, but he probably has someone doing that for him. I'm pretty sure he's not going to hang out at a coffee shop learning Twitter from a dude. He's just got someone doing it. So it's a very, very good question. But the really, the really key, really pain point now for me is if I've identified that I'm a one-on-one type of dude and I love making products, what niche needs that service? You'd have to do some research for that. And you want to do Twitter products. So maybe the niche that you are, you keep saying it wrong. You keep saying niche, but I'll ignore that. So think about this, though, for a minute. If what you want to do is teach Twitter, then then you need to find people that want to learn Twitter that will pay for it. Who wants to learn Twitter that needs to know it really well that's willing to pay for it? That would be people that are trying to be social media consultants. And there are a shit ton of groups on Facebook, on, you know, Google circles, on Google Plus circles, on LinkedIn of social media consultants. Like Twitter for VAs. Mm-hmm. So actually, so actually teach the people that are doing what I don't want to do. Correct. Because right now you're saying, okay, I only want to teach and I don't want to actually do, but I only want to teach to the people that want somebody to do it for them. So, so you're, 
you're creating a, a circle that you can't get out of. And I'm so pleased that we, we have the sort of the, the trust and honesty here that we can be transparent. I'm, I'm not in the slight bit of, slightest bit offended by this. In fact, I sh- should be. I mean, years ago, I might have been very embarrassed. But what we're doing is we're really pulling apart what I've done so far. And as I said, I've got a box in the shed with 70 cassettes, cassettes, 1993 cassettes, you know, of a, a song that I wrote, which I'm so proud of. But nobody bought it. And, you know, I've been repeating that cycle in various formats ever since. I make what I want and I just hope that people want it. And it's not the case. I'm sure I'm sure other people have this experience, too. So we've got to find that middle ground of doing something you can get your head around. Like, I mean, I'm not like I'm probably like a lot of creatives. There's things I just can't do. I just don't want to do them. I just can't bring myself to eat the frog. And so there's some things that I just can't do. I just don't want to, and I can't bring myself to do them. Uh, And so there's no point in me pretending that I can uh, just magically do it just because there's money in it. I I can't. So I've got to find something that I don't mind doing that also other people want. And that's really the whole point of this series. What do people want and what are you prepared to deliver? And you've got to find that middle ground. And I think that's probably the lesson for my cohort, my cohort, my mates, my friends, my tribe are all creative, funky people. And they all, not all of them, but a lot of them have this idea that, you know, I am what I do, what I do. I am the dude. I am the product. I write books. I write songs. I'm an artist. And I've got to find a way to do what I do and make money doing what I'm doing. Making the money is not the point. Doing the doing is the point. I want to give you a really cool example, and I don't know if you really like this analogy. I heard this really great example from Brian Clark, who interviewed a muso. Got a well-known muso, but I'm I'm just a bit embarrassed that I've forgotten his name. (laughs) And he said, you know, the point of my life is that this week I'm still here. I'm I'm doing it. I've got enough money to do it. I, I write songs. And, you know, we've got a song on the top 40 and, and we do tours and gigs and I've got albums out and I'm still going. Rollins, Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins, who's put the punk in punctuality. You know, really interesting interview. He said, look, mate, I'm not a rock star. I'm not a millionaire, but I, I do what I do. I don't have to work for the man. And every year we just get a little bit better and I never have to worry about worrying about money. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't made a million bucks. But I'm doing what I'm doing, and this is the creative zone that I live in. I do what I do, and I need money to do what I do. I'm building up my website again. We're going to Broome. I want to go to Argentina. We just bought a car. These things cost money, but they're not buying a car is not the point of my life. Having a nice shiny object, physical object, is not important to me. I'd much rather be creative and, and drive a, you know, a 1974 Holden than have a brand new car and do a job I hate. And that's the way that most creatives I know live and want to live. And and I just don't subscribe to that belief because I believe I can have both. Okay. Okay. I get to be creative and I get to have all the shiny objects I want. And if that includes going over, you know, traveling the world at least three, four months a year, then I get to do that. Because if there is something I don't want to do, I outsource it. Ah, there it is. That's the, that's the magical trigger, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not about, like you, we, we often talk about the idea of blogging. I'm so hopeless at WordPress. And I keep telling you not to do it. 
And I just I should just listen to you and say, look, don't do WordPress yourself. It looks crap. You don't enjoy it. No one's getting it. No one watches it, reads it, listens to it. It's a waste of time on all fronts. Just give it to someone else and pay them. Mm -hmm. So that is the whole story here about not doing it. And it comes back to the creative stuff. If you don't want to do it, outsource it. Correct. You don't have to do it. But if you, you know, if you want to make money, then you have to bridge the two. There is a balance there. There's a ton of things I hate doing. Um, you know, some of them I do anyways, cause it's important to the business that I keep a hand on that part of it. Some of it I have a hundred percent outsourced and I just check in with my team once a week and then answer any questions they have throughout the week. And then one of the things, believe it or not, that I hate dealing with the most is paying sales taxes on our sales every month and every quarter and dealing with filing the legal paperwork I have a VP of finance that does all of that. I, I don't even look at it. Mm, mm, mm. Look, this is this is really, really, really good because um, I think I think this is actually probably the essence of why I have failed the couple of times. I, a couple of things have worked. I don't want to I don't want to list myself as a complete loser, but I, a couple of things failed miserably, and I think that's the reason why is because I haven't been able to eat the frog. Or I haven't been able to outsource the frog. Now, there's a bloody brilliant title for a book. Outsource. Don't eat the frog. Outsource it. Because <laughs> <laughs> eat the frog, it's such – I mean, I've had chats with my friends about this. Most of my friends disagree with the idea that you have to eat the frog first thing in the morning and then clear up your day. I personally totally disagree with that philosophy. I hate that idea that I've got to do something, but I will do it. And I, I do it and I get rid of it. But I don't do it first thing because it kills the momentum of the day. Brian Tracy might argue, get rid of the biggest challenge in the rest for the day and then you've cleaned up your day. And I, I guess that works. I've tried. It doesn't work for me. But this idea of don't eat the frog, outsource it. It's such a brilliant recipe for all of us procrastinators who hate doing things like tax or uh, blogging. <laughs> it's such a, it's a, such a brilliant idea, isn't it? Yeah, you know, as, as I'm listening to you talk, though, Keith, we've had – like this particular point, as an example, has come up multiple times. And I've told you multiple times, even dating back to when we were working on a different project together. Um, and, and I think part of your challenge is that you refuse to see the truth of things because it's not what you want to do. And, and I think that that might be a good thing for you to, to kind of spend some time focusing on as well. Like what are all the things that you've been you know, told before, like the, the number of times that, you know, we talked about the Pomodoros, that goes back to the other project as well. Um, the number of times we've talked about having structure, forcing yourself to be accountable. Uh, the number of times that we talked about identifying the niche and starting with the foundation. There's always something there, though, that um, you don't want to do it that way. And not wanting to do the things in the right order it's like baking the cake where you you put the whole eggs and and a cup of flour in the oven and then 45 minutes later you pull it out and you don't understand why there's not a cake there well it's because you you had the right ingredients but you weren't willing to do them in the right order you weren't willing to crack the eggs mm -hmm. yourself and and beat them and mix everything the way it needed to go so you didn't get the desired end result you've got the makings to be everything that you want to be to to be creative and to make money. You've got everything that you need. Mm, mm, mm. But you haven't 
you haven't been willing to, to do things in the right order to make it happen for you. And, and that's, you know, that's really more of a, um, a personal thing that, that you just want to kind of, and everybody goes through this at different points in their career as entrepreneurs, you know, it's so hard to say really to it, to sort of let go with yourself and say, okay, you know what? Here are the 10 things that I hate. And trust me, Keith, I have that list. And of those 10 things, there's two things that I hate, but I know I need to do anyways, because they are critical to the growth of my business. And I know the other eight I can outsource. And when I am willing to do that, then I have freed up so much more time, allowed myself to be so much more productive, and allowed myself to focus on the things that make me money. Look, it's so interesting. I, I remember, and it's, I never ever post these quotes from Brian Tracy because I post quotes from Brian Tracy all the time. And I think Brian Tracy's basic premise, his fundamental premise, is that the tree, the secret of success is to be willing to do the things that you don't like. Now, I, I agree with that. That's something I need to sit with, Gordon. I need to sit with this, with the velvet hammer and I need to sit in my corner and say, if I want to continue, and I, I'm, I'm really laying it out now, if I want to continue, I have to do some of those frog-like activities. I have to do those things that I don't want to do or outsource them mm-hmm. or stop and concede. So I think we're just at the about at the end of the second 25 minutes. Why don't we start again with this idea that you, you've got the velvet hammer in your hand. You're going on holidays. You're going to give me a couple of weeks to play. But I've really got to ask the question, can I sit and do those things? Can I do the things that I need to do as a business owner that I don't want to do that will absolutely grow my business? And it's a big question. I'm not sure I've got an answer for you yet. And it's okay. Whatever I decide is okay. I am myself. I am who I am. And I have limitations. I'm not, I'm not a super being. I just can't, I can't turn myself into someone else. If I can't do it, I can't do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. But, but I've, got to, I've got to ask that question. Can, can I do it? Can I force myself to do it? even though I don't want to? What a great question. Can I force myself to do it even though I don't want to? So let's stop there. This is part two of the end of season one. Let's come back in a few minutes. And I want you to really structure this out because I've really got to do some deep thinking over the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. 